everyone, I just want to encourage you with some scripture today. Uh, in Isaiah 55 verse 8 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's clear in the current climate today that people are trying to figure out with their own heads and their own logic what's going to happen, what's the best plan of action to get everything back to normal. But we can have comfort in knowing that we are in the palm of God's hands and that he's protecting us and guiding us through this time. And when we put our trust in him and when we rely on him, it is like what it says in Psalm 29 verse 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. He will give us peace that you can't get out in the world. And, and this happens through spending time with him and uh, meditating on his word. As it says in Mark 1 verse 35, when Jesus was on the earth, the first thing he used to do when he got up in the morning was he'd go to a quiet place in solitude and spend one-on-one -on -one time with God. And when we put God first, it is like we're building our house on the rock. As it says in Matthew 7 verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now it doesn't say that because we build our house, which is our lives, on the rock, which is Jesus, that it will be sunshine and rainbows all the time. There will be rain and there will be storms, but the key is, is that our house will not fall because we have a strong foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So when we renew our mind with God's word, we don't think like people of the world with so much stress and fear. Rather, God replaces these with supernatural peace and calm, which you cannot find anywhere else. As it says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Finally, in John fourteen twenty seven in the NLT, it says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. I pray that God will give each of you peace and joy today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for that word of encouragement from Emer. God bless you, friend. I hope that word encouraged you today and, you know, um, is, is, is just going to build you up to let you know that God loves you and that no matter what circumstance you're going through. Listen, our pastor Joe uh, had a saying, and I think it's one of the wisest, wisest sayings I've ever heard. Circumstances are subject to change. And I believe that's what Emer is telling you there, you know, is that, uh, yes, the rain may come. Yes, storms may come. But listen, when your house is built on the rock, your house, your life will stand. And for you to know that God does not want you to fear because he has not put a spirit of fear in you, but he's put the opposite. He's put a spirit of power, of his love and of a sound mind and stability and self-control. And I praise God for Emer's word there today. Um, it's such a blessing in Jesus' name. So God bless you. You're welcome. Um, I hope you're keeping well. And, uh, you know, a song has been going through my head today. Um, I think it was from the 70s. I remember hearing it on the radio, you know, when they'd play the Golden Oldies Hour. And um, it was that song, Where Do You Go To My Lovely When You're Alone In Your Bed? And um, I think it was by a guy called Peter Sarsted. And, you know, uh, if you're too young to remember that, I encourage you Google it or look it up on YouTube. It was some song, you know. But um, what he basically was talking about was, you know, that this girl and, and a lot of people had, had opinions of who the person was, who he was talking about in the song. But, um, you know, that she was projecting a very... Um, professional and happy and <clears throat> successful life in her um, in her fame and fortune and yet he knew her from when she was young and he knew the things that she had been through in life that 
had shaped her because he had been with her, you know, as a child growing up. And um, just that song has been in my head all day today. Where do you go to, my lovely, when you're alone in your bed? Tell me the thoughts that surround you. I want to look inside your head. And so, you know, I believe it's somewhere where we all come to it um, or where we've been um, at some point in our lives. I know I was anyway. And I, I... I love the fact that the Lord, he he really speaks to me a lot through songs and things like that. But, um, you know, people are alone, perhaps disappointed, um, perhaps feeling very hopeless, um, maybe afraid of the future, dreading uh, what will happen, you know, what will happen after this virus, what will happen to me you know, even what will happen to my family later on, things like that. There's a lot of fear um, being bandied about. And I just want to encourage you today, really, that, um, you know, the things we've been through in the past have shaped us. And I think we mentioned this in the previous podcast. Um where have we come from? Where have you come from? You know, what have you come through? What have you been through in the past? Because whatever that is, that has shaped you. Um, and it's from that place where you've been shaped by your past, where your responses to what you're going through now are coming from. Do you understand that? Like that uh, when when I've been maybe filled with pain or insecurity from the past, very often the way I respond to situations or circumstances is is coming from perhaps the pain that I was through as a child. And this is something very important. What happens with people when we go through trauma or, or, or through hard times or difficult circumstances, what can often happen is like that, our world comes to a standstill at that very point. And this is why many people are emotionally stunted and almost react very childlike to difficult situations that they're in, that somebody else who wasn't through those other things doesn't take any notice of. You know, so I, I think it's very important for you to examine I always believe, and I say this a lot, in order for us to go forward, we need to know where we've come from. And we need to resolve the past. And we need to resolve the issues that may be still there, uh, lingering and, 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 and throbbing and causing us pain. You know, almost like some kind of a hidden infection somewhere inside in the body. That's that's got pus or got, you know, that has been filled with with, uh, you know, an, an infected area. And there's pus inside there that needs to to be extracted and 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 taken out. So I would encourage you today, friend, as we're walking through this journey of Bible study, that you look at um maybe how you've been responding to what's going on in your life. And you see how this comes out as well as, you know, in stress, in tension, in blood pressure, blood pressure, hypertension, hypertension. That's what it is. And, you know, it, it, something is driving your blood pressure up. Something is making you anxious. Something is causing um, panic or, or anxiety. And... It's whatever has been, you know, uh, going on inside of you or things that you've been through, traumatic things from the past. Praise God. I'm going to look at a scripture to start and it's in um, the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 9. And it says this, Proverbs 13, 9. Oh, no, sorry, Proverbs 13, 12. Sorry, 9 is the top of the page. I'm looking at the wrong verse. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So hope deferred. Hope, uh, things that people have been hoping for. 
um, when it's dragged out and when it's been delayed coming, it makes the heart sick. And the heart there is the inner person, the inner man, the inner woman, your soul, the seat of your emotions, the seat of your passions, and also the seat of your courage. Isn't that amazing? So hope deferred makes the heart sick. Many people wonder why they suffer with anxiety. But listen, very often it's because something that happened in the past or that is happening right now perhaps has stunted you and has has brought to a standstill your life and has shattered your dreams or shattered your desires. Things that you had been believing God for perhaps or things that you had wanted to see work out in your life haven't worked out the way you wanted. And, and it brings almost, you know, like a train um, screeching to a halt. And it robs you of your courage and your peace. And later on, we're going to hear from um, Mag uh, speaking about how Jesus is the living bread, the bread that came down from heaven and how he gives us peace. And we also heard from Emer. She she spoke out that scripture as well. Um, of of how Jesus said, you know, the world will not be able to give you the peace that I can give you. And Mag is going to speak later on about how God, how Jesus is our living bread and that as we partake of the bread that he feeds us with, his word, that what comes from that is peace. And she's going to give a simple testimony as well of of her own life, of, of where she's come from. And listen, that's no different to you. Um, the kingdom of God is made up of individuals. We spoke about this in the last podcast, how Jesus goes after that one sheep to bring them back to the sheepfold, the last sheep. We know the story of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son is not so much a story about um, repentance and forgiveness, which of course it is, but it's a story of God's love, of the love of the father seeking and, and, and you know, searching every day for that boy to come home, for that for that son of his to come home. And when he comes home, what rejoicing, what celebration. Well, listen, you may love the Lord and you may have been walking with the Lord all your life, friend. But there may be issues that are causing you not to be able to receive the love of God. And not to be able to receive, you know, the peace of God that comes from being in relationship with the Father and being restored and reconnected back to him. And I just encourage you today, you know, that's what the Lord wants for you. So here we go back to this scripture of Proverbs 13. Hope deferred, hope that's been dragged out or, or, or put off in some way makes the heart, the inner man, your soul, the seat of your emotions, your passions and your courage sick. So this is why fear can come and control a person. But... When the desire comes, it is a tree flowing fresh of life. And that word life there translates to a, a revival and a renewal. So, you know, what happens is, is that when the, um, the desire comes, when a promise is, is, when breakthrough comes, or when a person receives healing and wholeness, what happens is, is there's revival and there's renewal in the life. And I pray that today for you, friend, that, you know, wherever you've been, whatever has been going on in the past, whatever circumstances, whether it's been, uh, you know, financial lack of physical pain, sickness, disease, um, emotional turmoil or, 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 or um, you know, trauma um, from from insecurity or from rejection or from abuse or whatever the situation. Listen, I pray today that the Lord would breathe life upon the hope that is in your heart and that uh, like a, a flowing fresh river of life that his word would wash over you and bring re renewal and revival to you in Jesus' name. Everyone has a story. Everyone. That's why, you know, we people, we enjoy, I, I believe people really enjoy programs or, or books um, about ordinary people's lives, about their life story, about the battles they've been through and the victories they've had. 
It's interesting to know how they got here to where they are today. I'm not just talking about famous people or celebrities. I really believe that there's too much emphasis put on fame and celebrity and not enough emphasis. Uh, you know, I'm right now we're seeing um, newspaper publications and uh, things like that gone very thin because there's very little news to report on apart from the virus, <laughs> you know, and things like that. But I often wonder why they don't go around and just interview ordinary people and ask them maybe a set of questions. Just talk to them and find out about their life, find out about their family, find out about, you know, who they are and what their hopes and dreams are. I, I believe people would find that so interesting. But you see, there is this uh, warped uh, mentality in the media that only bad news sells, <laughs> you know, so um, the worse it is, the better it is for them. But anyway, praise God. Breakdown often happens when a person has been relying on me, myself and I, on my abilities. And then when something big happens or when some kind of a trauma happens or, or maybe a trigger from the past, what happens is it overwhelms me because my usual defence mechanism or coping strategies fail and I have no answer. And suddenly the world is a very, very big place and I am very small and insignificant. That's what happens to people who have breakdown often, you know, is, is because they just feel so small and so helpless, so hopeless, and everything else feels so big, like a giant. Praise God. We're also going to hear later from Louise today. And uh, she's going to be talking about God's goodness. And, you know, that's what I'm saying there about hearing from uh you know, regular people hearing their, their testimony. And Louise has a very simple testimony today. I think it's absolutely mighty about how that the Lord in the past few weeks has, has uh, you know, helped her in such a way in the small details of life. And um, it's something I've always noticed. The greatest times of, of fellowship that I have felt with the Lord are in the small details when I've seen him do such small things for me that meant so much. And Louise is going to testify of that there as well um, very shortly. So we're looking forward to that. But, you know, regular ordinary people's faith um, of, uh, and their testimony of God's goodness is, is what builds other people up, especially people who are going through hard times. No matter how simple the testimony is, I, I believe it it really, you know, ministers to us. Um, we have the authority of the kingdom of God behind us and we are servants of the Most High God. But more than that, we are his children. We have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus and now we are spiritually residing in the heavenly realms. That's what Ephesians chapter 1, let's go there to Ephesians chapter 1 and have a look at that. We need to maybe readjust our perspective, our viewfinder of, of how we've been looking at our lives. Because often when we are in a situation that is extremely traumatic or that is overwhelming or frightening, um, we can get totally out of perspective and really start to believe the lies of the enemy. Hallelujah. Let's read um, Ephesians chapter 1. Mm. I'm going to just skip through a few scriptures. In verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, so you have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So, friend, you have been accepted in the beloved as a child of the Most High God, because of Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us all 
in wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that, in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Hallelujah. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know, God sealed you with his Holy Spirit. There's a mark on you, and it's not the mark of the beast. It's the mark of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And it is a promise that what he has promised you will come to pass. And then it goes on, and you know, this is a prayer for spiritual wisdom. Therefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not give, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, here's his feet again, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, we are seated in the heavenly realms, far above all principality all power, all might, all dominion and every name that is named because we have been seated with Christ and in him we have authority. Not in myself, not in yourself, but in him, in Christ. Praise God. So we have the authority of the kingdom of God. And as his children, we are now spiritually residing in the heavenly realms. And this is where we need to get our perspective from. I always find it interesting. When I climb, um, there's mountains near me. And when, when I go up there, the higher I go, the quieter it is. And how different the whole environment looks from up there. Everything looks different. And the things that are really big and really annoying or, or really frightening down here, up there they don't matter. And that's the, the perspective God wants you to have, friend. He wants you to understand where you are seated in the heavenly realms. Far above all principality and power. And you see the enemy, the devil, is trying to, uh, you know, shout you down and make you feel like some kind of a small, insignificant worm that doesn't matter. And he wants to crush you. But Jesus told us that he's given us the authority. Let's have a look at it in Luke chapter 10. We need to read this over and over and over again until it embeds itself in our spirit and becomes alive to us. In Luke's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus was speaking to his 72 disciples who came back. He had already sent out the 12, 12 apostles and told them to go ahead of him into the towns and villages to heal the sick there, preach the gospel of the kingdom. And then when they came back, he sent out 72 others who were following him. And the 72 returned with joy, and it says in verse 17, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject 
to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Authority over demons was a new phenomenon with the ministry of Jesus. Up to that point, they had not seen that. And it's one of the signs of a believer that he uh, gave in Mark's Gospel, chapter um, 16, isn't it? Mark Mark 16, (laughs) 15, 16. Anyway, the end of Mark's Gospel. He says, you know, these signs will follow those who believe in me in my name. They will cast out demons. So this is a um, authority that Jesus put in place and gave to his disciples and to each one of us who would believe in him, that we have authority over Satan. And this is why we need to flip on its head whatever circumstance or whatever situation has been going on where the enemy has been the one shouting down to you. You need to flip that on its head and and you tell him the authority that you stand in is the authority of Christ and his blood that he shed at the cross for you. You are a citizen of heaven and you carry the weight of the kingdom of heaven behind you. In um, Psalm 91, uh, let's have a look at it for a second. Psalm 91. I think it's verse 13. Praise God. God, we thank you for opening our ears to your word here today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time together, Father, studying your word in Jesus' name. We bless your name tonight, Lord. Yes, in in, uh, Psalm 91, verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. These are demonic entities. They are just symbols of what demons, uh, you know, come against you, whether it's a demon of sickness, a demon of fear, a demon of lack, a demon of of, uh, trauma, of abuse of some kind, of of relationship problems. You know, it's it's the devil who's behind it and he's trying to crush you. And one of the promise, the the promise that uh, God made to Eve in the garden was that he would send a a savior from the woman's seed and that savior would crush Satan for us. And when we understand and realize that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are children of the most high God and the weight of an authority of his kingdom is standing and backing us up, then we will carry out what Jesus came to do, which was to crush Satan under our feet. Hallelujah. When a soldier, and we've spoken about soldiers in the last podcast and, and you know, people who join up in the armed forces or in the, the police or the guards, when a soldier or a guard or a police person are trained, they are instituted into a kingdom or a national mindset. It's not about them individually anymore, but it's about the authority that they represent. And we've often said it, you know, um, uh, maybe a a lady uh, police person can go out in the middle of a motorway and even if she is, you know, four foot, ten inches in height, She can put her hand up out in the middle of that motorway and every juggernaut and every massive, big, articulated lorry will have to stop when she's in her uniform. She's out there with the authority of the state behind her and that truck or or juggernaut, no matter how big it is, will have to stop when she puts her hand up or they will face the full penalty of the law. And in the same way, I don't care what your stature is, whether you're four foot nothing or whether you're six foot ten. Listen, 
If you are a child of God and if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the authority of Christ living inside of you. And you can uh, speak to those things that the enemy has used to bring bondage into your life or to bring pain or, or anguish or turmoil or fear. And you can take authority over Satan and tell him in Jesus' name, get out of here. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. We are the same. There's nothing that you or I have in ourselves but in whose name we walk in. We walk in his authority. And when we come up against the enemy and his kingdom, we can speak in the name of Jesus. We can use the blood of Jesus. Power and authority, though, it can become perverted. It can go to a person's head. And, you know, you've seen this all the time across the world in nations and in governments in, in, in armies and in, in different, even in, in individual members of, of police forces. You know, power can go to people's heads and they believe that it's themselves have the power. They become puffed up and then they are like a loose cannon. And, you know, it's actually a danger to the rest of the troops or the unit or the nation at that point. Because, you know, a loose cannon will recklessly disregard orders. They become a troublemaker or they become a time bomb. So, you see, when man feels that he has the power in himself, his aim will be to conquer and to oppress others. And it will be innocent people around him or her who will bear the brunt of that perverted power. God is not a dictator. He is not an oppressor. But Satan is. So it's important to understand whose power one is operating under. Who is influencing. This is very important. Humility is the character of the kingdom of God. And this is why David was able to use a young, ruddy teenager to take down a giant. And his name was David. And let's go look and see what David did. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know, if you want to read a story to your kids at home and you wonder where where do I start in the Bible, you know, you read them the Gospels, of course. But I, I think to read them the story of David and, and uh, go over it many times is a... What a blessing... This, uh, this account and this testimony is. Okay, let's get some background to the story because we won't read it all. But um, Israel, the nation, were locked in a, um, a standoff between their army on one side of one hill and the Philistine army on the other hill. And the Philistines... Um, and Israeli army were probably Israelite army, sorry, were probably quite well matched, except for one thing, and that was a giant that they had in the Philistine army, and his name was Goliath, and he was a you know he was a nasty guy. <laughs> he was over nine feet tall, and he, you know, the the weight of his armor alone was was more than any man could bear. He had his own shield bearer. That's a guy who walked out in front of him with this giant shield. And he came out every morning and he cursed and defied the army of Israel. And what he said to them was, you pick a man from your army who will come out and fight me and we will fight together. And whichever one of us prevails, you know, um, so if, if your man prevails and kills me, well, then the Philistine army will be subject to Israel. But if I kill him, <laughs> your army will be subject to us and, and your land. And of course, there was nobody <laughs> in the army of Israel who was willing to take on this foul-mouthed giant. They were terrified of him. Um, in the meantime, David was asked by his father to take some supplies to his brothers who were in the army and to go and check on them and see how they were. So David was just a young teenager at that time, um, maybe about 17 years old or that way. 
I've heard in the past. And um, he came to the camp, he dropped the supplies, and then he went off to check with his brother. And when he was um, going to check with his brother, he heard some of the men talking. And they were um, dreadfully afraid because... Here was Goliath after coming out shouting and roaring his usual uh, cursing. And David, you know, said to the men, what shall, uh, you, you know, who, who's this, this, this uncircumcised Philistine? And why is he talking like that about, about the army of the God of heaven? And then he also heard that there was a reward, a great reward for the man who would kill Goliath. And um, anyway, to cut a long story short, David's what David said about, you know, who's this fella who, who would try and defy the armies of, of the living God. And this was reported back to the king, to King Saul. And David decided that he would go out and fight the giant for Saul. And but Saul said to him, and in, in, let's pick it up here in verse um, 31. This is First Samuel Chapter 17, verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God." Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from this hand of this Philistine. So here, you know, David is recounting his experiences in the wilderness and he is telling the king, listen, this is no problem for God. And um, you think I've no experience? Yes, I do have experience. And you can you can hear his his um you know, excitement and, and I suppose his, his courage because as, as a young person, you know, he was, he was just full of energy and courage. And he said, you know, God will deliver this Philistine to me. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. This was Saul's only option. He had no other option because none of his men would go out on the field, even though he had promised them that, you know, uh, whoever would kill this giant would never have to pay any taxes. I'll give you one of my daughters to be your bride. You That would mean, of course, then that you would be the person who would kill Goliath, would become a prince and, and you know, live in the palace and uh, be a very important person in the kingdom. So there was a mighty reward. Nobody had taken it up. And here's this young teenager and that's all he's got to play with. So Saul decides, okay, go and the Lord be with you. Let's see how this works out. So in verse 38, Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. You can just picture there, you know, Saul, who was a, a warrior king, putting on all his armor on this young boy who, who had not yet bulked out to manhood. And, you know, you can see the, 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 the coat of mail kind of weighing him down and saying, well, this isn't going to work. So David decides to go as himself. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine and so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. <laughs> 
oh, I think this is hilarious. You know, you just see this picture of this giant, you know, probably frothing at the mouth at this stage with the anticipation of, of this this little um, slip of a boy coming out on the field against him. The Philistine began drawing near to David and the man who bore his shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine really just looked down on him and, and belittled him. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So David was making declarations about God's greatness, about God's power, and about what God was going to do. He was operating here in total humility. Yes, he had fervor and he had energy and he had, uh, you know, bravery and courage, I suppose, coming from his youth. But he still never took his eyes off the fact that he himself had no power, that he was coming against this Philistine giant in the power of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Okay, where are we? I've lost my place. Um... So it was in verse 48, this is First Samuel 17 still, verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So David didn't, you know, shy away or, or like you see sometimes in shadow boxing where they, they keep moving around the ring. He, David actually ran to him. And David put his hand in his bag as he was running. You know, this. you can see this picture. Putting his hand into his bag, took out a stone and he slung it with his um, slingshot. So he was well used to operating this thing, you know. Praise God. When we were young, uh, we used to read a comic called The Beano. And Dennis the Menace was the, the character in that. It was such a... Um, only a couple of years ago, actually, I stopped buying it for my own daughter. But praise God, you know, Dennis was a dab hand at using a slingshot. And this is what, what David had here. You know, David's childlike faith, his trust in God was sure because he had seen God deliver him. He had seen him answer his heart's cry. And, and more than that, he knew God's voice. And he ran out onto that battlefield with innocent, raw courage knowing that there was nothing impossible to God and that it was his authority, God's authority and power that stood behind David and also went before him. So David charged headlong into the path of the enemy and God used this simple boy with a child's target practice toy to bring down a foe that no army wanted to take on. Let's read it. When the Phil, uh, where are we? Um, forty-nine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it, and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell to his face. Fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him right between the eyes. He got him. So there he is running headlong, you know, into that, into that situation. Took out his slingshot like he had done, I'm sure, many times when he was rescuing his sheep. 
when a, when a, a lion or a bear would come at the sheep, he was well used to chasing away uh, all kinds of um, enemy who saw enemies who saw those sheep as their prey. So he was well practiced at it. Hallelujah. And this is the thing, you know, is that sometimes people come to the Lord or come, you know, trying to fight the enemy and, and, and they're wearing Saul's armor. They're wearing, uh, they have things on that don't belong on them. And you see, the Lord will use you with what you have. He will use what's inside of you. He has put gifts and talents. He's trained you in, in ways that even maybe you don't even realize the potential that's inside of you. But when you put your hands in the Lord and when you, you know, run against the enemy and decide God is with me and he will show me exactly what to do. That's why David instinctively, you know, he put his hand in his pocket because he was used to doing that when he was fighting the enemies who came against his sheep. Hallelujah. Therefore, uh, let's see what he says there again. He prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. So he cut off the head of the giant with the giant's own sword. At that stage, I'm sure his uh, armor bearer was long gone <laughs> because he understood, as did the rest of the Philistine army, what this meant. Here we go. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. This is the thing. You know, my mother has a saying, uh, and I think it's a very wise saying, that when people are in situations, maybe where they're being bullied or intimidated, that you only need to show or you only need to bare your teeth once. <laughs> Do you understand what that means? You only need to give one growl for somebody to understand that you mean business. And this is the same with the devil. You need to bare your teeth. You know, you're, the way you, when someone bares their teeth, when they, when they give a good uh, growl out of their mouth, and you can see, you know, when a dog growls, you can see his teeth because his lip rises up. You need to bare your teeth and show the enemy. And, and make declarations of God's goodness, of God's power and of God's promises and what he has said. Not what, not what you can do, but what God can do. Amen. That's what he did here. And so the Philistines fled. David's faith and the power of God then elicited a response from the others who were hiding. So we're going to read this here now. The, the, Israel, the army of Israel, you know, they were terrified. Now here they were watching with mouths wide open. Both armies on both sides of the hill, I'm sure, had their mouths dropped to the ground, especially the Philistines. But maybe just as much the Israel army, because they probably all expected this fellow to be torn to bits in a, in a, in a matter of seconds. And now here he was after killing the Philistine and then making sure he was dead by cutting off his head with his own sword. And what happened was it elicited a response from them. They, they had been hiding, they had been afraid, and it suddenly gave them inspiration, courage and energy. And you know, when you take on the enemy and when you make a declaration of God's goodness and of his power, what it will do is it's not just about you. It, it will influence and impact all those around you. So when it was, let's go back to the scripture. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. So the, the, the army, they suddenly said, your man's dead. Hang on a minute. We're well able to take the rest of them. Let's go after them. And they were inspired by what they had seen David do. And your faith can inspire people around you. Praise God. Don't ever give up hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Don't let your heart get sick. 
Don't let the enemy get his foot in and, and press you down and crush you. Instead, declare God's promises, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of hard, difficult situations. I don't care how bad it looks. Nothing could have been worse than this. And David prevailed, not in his own power, but because the Lord had anointed him with gifts, with talents. He had appointed him for such a time as this. And it is no different for you, friend. Whatever situation you've been going on with, however you've been praying, listen, you know, hold on tight, buckle up, but get with the kingdom mindset. Renounce, renounce pride, as we said earlier on there, you know, power and authority can be perverted. It can go to people's heads. They get puffed up with pride and that's where they make dangerous mistakes. And it's where they affect, you know, not just themselves, but all those around them. Hallelujah. Repent of pride. Go in humility. God used, as I said, this simple boy with this little toy, a target practice toy, to bring down a foe that no army wanted to take on. It looked foolish to all the wise people, but to God, it was David's humble faith and trust and it had to be rewarded. God was not going to let him out there on his own. In fact, it opened the door for David's destiny to be revealed. On that day, in one moment, everything changed. And it's the same for you, friend. Everything can change in one moment. Hallelujah. Let's look at Daniel chapter 10. I wanted to get to this the other day when I was doing the podcast about In God's Army, but I didn't get to it. Daniel is um, the prophet. Uh, I should have marked this, shouldn't I? Okay, Daniel chapter 10. I'm nearly sure. Uh oh. my other bible where is that <laughs> talk amongst yourselves there for a minute praise God Daniel chapter 10 Daniel had been praying for his nation and he had seen some some dreams and visions that were were frightening him and um one day he'd been, he, he was praying and praying and praying for, for his nation and for the problems that were, they were facing to be resolved. And one day uh, he saw a vision. And let's look at it. Let's pick it up in Jan Daniel chapter 10, verse um, uh, 5. He was standing at the bank of the great Tigris River. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His fla face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like a polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel... You are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And friend, I say this to you today in the name of the Most High God, because you are very precious to God. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he loves you. And he has a good plan for your life. And whatever the enemy has been doing to try and terrorize you or to try and break you down, listen, the Lord knows exactly what's going on. 
And he wants to use you. He wants to strengthen you. And he wants to bring good news to you today. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So the chief of princes of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This this spiritual entity, this demonic, dem, um, demonic power, principality of the air blocked the way of this angel coming to bring the answer to Daniel. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time to come. And when he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. The one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. You know, was that Jesus who came to him? Was it the angel of the Lord? But either way, what I want you to know is there was warfare going on in the heavenlies. And, you know, the archangel Michael was still warring with those principalities and powers. Uh-oh, there goes Coco again. It's time to go. <laughs> but, um, you know, and that it is no different for you today. There is a battle going on in the heavenlies all around us. There's warfare going on. Most people are not even aware of it. But they are living in situations that are the result of this spiritual warfare. And they need to know they need to understand how to engage and how to overcome the devil. And we don't engage or overcome him by ourselves. The only thing that we can give of ourselves is our testimony. And that's what you've heard there from Emer earlier on and what you're going to hear from Louise and what you're going to hear from, <clears throat> from Mag is a testimony. The Bible says in Revelation, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. David overcame Goliath that day, not because of a slingshot. Yes, he knew he was trained in how to use the slingshot, and it, 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 it hit the spot exactly. But he overcame Goliath because of his declaration in the power of Almighty God and of his knowledge of the one who was with him, who goes before him, who goes behind him as his rear guard, who stands with him and who protects him. And it was the same for Daniel here. I, I think this is so touching, the way the Lord said that to him. You know, you are very precious, Daniel. And God answered your prayer straight away. But this, this uh, demonic entity uh, withstood the answer coming in the heavenlies. And perhaps, friend, you might, have be, you might be believing for something for a long time and maybe you're, you're waiting and waiting for breakthrough. Well, listen, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You need to protect your soul, your inner man, your emotions, your heart from getting discouraged. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord and allow his love to breathe and revive and refresh you and his word. In Jesus' name. I think that's all for today. Um, we are going to continue with this um, and get a little bit deeper. And I encourage you to come back. God bless you. See you soon. I would just like to share of God's goodness and faithfulness in every area of our lives. I remember Pastor Joe used to always say, that God is interested in the everyday details of our lives and he cares about what we care about. He's personal, in other words. Even when it comes down to buying a new pair of shoes, he wants to be involved and he wants to bless you and get you the best deal. 
recently I found some interesting items that were lost um, some were things I was looking for and some the Lord had me find at the right time and that it came in useful and blessed my family. My dad has a farm and a, a polytunnel and I was delighted when I found some plant ID labels and a little pencil brand new not opened and I I think they were lying there for probably a year or more in the in, at home in the kitchen and uh, praise God it was just what we needed in there from the Lord. Um, we got a lot of seeds this year as well, thank God. They were selling out quick, um, but I couldn't get a particular variety of, of lettuce and my dad likes. It's Butterhead, I think it's called, um, it's his favorite. Um, and again, I came across, or so I thought, a packet of Butterhead seeds at home. Uh, they were opened and they were, they're in date, praise God, they're perfect. And that's just a wonderful blessing, you know, that the Lord would do that. And also I found a small blue hatchet missing for a few years. Dad had only mentioned to me a few weeks ago that he, he'd misplaced it and he didn't know where he left it. And praise God, I found all those things within the space of a couple couple of days. And um, funnily enough, then my dad, the following day, find, found another little hatchet um, that, that, he, that, he, that was lost for a while. And uh, praise God, I believe that's a double portion for the the salad leaves and for the for the hatchet. Um, in Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. And in Philippians 4, verse 19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And in Psalm 37, verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. And I would just encourage you, just like that, that God is personal, and to commit your way to him, and just to trust in him, and just invite him into all these little daily activities of your life and daily all your times and just he's the God that goes before you and he's with you and he'll never fail you and he wants to be part of your life. Amen. Hello, this is a word of encouragement from the word of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Down in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we see here that one of Jesus' names is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God. And when we go over to John's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, down in verse 26. Jesus was after this time, he was after doing the miracle of the loaves and fishes and multiplying it, giving thanks to God and multiplying it, giving it to all the people. And then the people... He went, out, he went to Capernaum and the people followed him. And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, because you ate the loaves and were filled. And in 27 he said, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So you see, Jesus was saying here, when we eat bread in the natural, when we get full, we will eventually get hungry again. But he said to feed on the word of God. When we eat and feed on the flesh of Jesus, the word of God, we get full and we get energized. Jesus said in, in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life 
and may have and have it more abundantly. We can experience abundance in life when we read the scripture, when we meditate on the word of God. I have experienced that for myself. For many years, I did not understand anything about the scripture, the word of God. I had often heard this, the, the scripture, when you eat my flesh, you will have life. But I didn't understand that it was the revelation. When we eat the revelation of the knowledge of the word of God, we get peace. The word of God fills us with peace. Down in um, in verse 32 of John's Gospel, 6, 32, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus is the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the whole world. We get life we get fullness of life when we read the, the scripture and meditate on the word of God. In verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Back in, in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When we get the revelation of the word of God to know that when we put our trust in Jesus, when we call on him for salvation, we enter into eternal life. We have eternal life. That is eating the flesh of Jesus, eating revelation knowledge of our right standing with God because of what Jesus did for us. He gave his body to be broken, that would, we would be made whole. We were By his stripes we were healed. Thank you, Jesus. And over in verse 47 it said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. And in verse in uh, 663, it said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You see, the word of God, the spirit of God is in the word of God. And as we read it, we get peace. For many years, I did not have peace. I had oppression and depression and I was not at peace with myself or with anybody else. But now I have life. Every time I pick up the, the Bible and read the Psalms, read the word of God, read the Gospels, Read what Jesus did for us. I have peace and happiness that nothing else can compare with. And I thank you, Father, today in Jesus' mighty name for the revelation of the word of God. Amen.